What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today I was joined by a fascinating guest. I had Michael Chernow on the podcast, who is the owner and founder of Creatures of Habit. That's Creatures with a K. And Michael has a crazy story. I think you guys are going to take a lot out of this episode from his upbringing to overcoming addiction and alcohol abuse, drug abuse, a lot of turmoil in his family life, and then turning that into an amazing success story that he is still on. Success in starting businesses, selling businesses, um, now having now being the founder of Creatures of Habit, which I really love the concepts, and you'll you'll learn about this through the interview, but starting your day, he has a product called Meal One. And you're going to learn the relevance of, of how that actually saved his life and put him on this trajectory. But starting your day with the right fuel is something that is near and dear to my heart. So I really think that there's a lot of power in this episode. And Michael is an amazing storyteller, very captivating storyteller, which is always something that I appreciate because it's a craft that I think is often overlooked and very underrated. And there's a lot. There's a lot to digest in this episode, quite literally, when we're talking about meal one. Um, so what I would love for you guys to do first and foremost is leave a five-star rating and review. I actually have to pick a winner for this week because every week I pick one person who leaves a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and I select that person to win a supplement of their choice. And you have great odds every single week to win because we don't get that many reviews. It's true. It's just, it is what it is. Maybe when we go from like 20,000 downloads a week to 100,000 downloads a week, maybe it'll be more competitive. But right now, take advantage and leave a five-star rating and review. The way that you do that is you open your Apple Podcast app, you go to the search function, you type in Mind Over Macros, even if you're subscribed. You you click on the thumbnail, you scroll all the way down until you see the five the rating and review option. You click on write a review. You type in whatever you want to say, and you submit your five-star review. This week's winner is Tara Word. Tara Word. Tara, W-O-R-D. And the title of the review says, Iron Giantist Podcast on Repeat. I have listened to this podcast three times now, and I am blown away. I've never listened to a podcast I thought was so relevant to my life. I can't wait to hear more from Mind Over Macros. Thank you so much. I agree. That episode is one of my all-time favorites, uh, so you can go back and listen to that. And what I would also ask of you guys, um, oh, first of all, Tara, email me. The email address is mike at peakoptimizationperformance.com. And you will win the supplement of your choice from one of our sponsors, Organified or Cured, or you can pick something from our own pop line. What I would also ask of everybody listening right now is if you can do me a favor and follow or subscribe, whatever platform you're on, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, any platform that you're listening on, there's going to be some kind of a follow or subscribe button that allows you to get notified when new episodes are released. We release episodes every Monday and every Wednesday, two episodes per week. So if you subscribe or follow, it really helps more people find the show. And that is how we are going to continue to expand. 
Um, I would also love to hear directly from you, and I'm sure Michael would as well. If you enjoy this interview, please let us know on Instagram. You can tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. So you'll take a screenshot of the episode. You'll post it to your, your stories. You'll tag me. And then you'll also tag Michael at Michael Chernow. That's C-H-E-R-N-O-W. Without any further ado, let's get into the conversation with Michael Chernow from Creatures of Habits. All right, everybody. I am joined today by a very special guest. Uh, I didn't know this before I invited him on the show, but he's a Giants fan. We won't we won't hold that against him. By the time that this ep- episode comes out, we will know if the Eagles beat the Giants or if the Giants beat the Eagles in the divisional round of the playoffs. Right now, as of recording, it's still open for uh, trash talk, and we'll see what happens. But I've got Michael Chernow. Uh, welcome to the show. I appreciate you jumping on. Thanks so much for having me. Pumped to be here. For sure. So. Uh, I've listened to you on a few different podcasts and was definitely captivated by your story. At what point did you realize that, like, you know what, my my life's been pretty crazy? Um, when when did it sink in that you have uh, a pretty unique story to tell? You know, I I mean, it, it's it's actually a good question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. I think that once I so. I have ha- I have come through some adversity in my life and that adversity has really helped shape the human being I am today. I got sober when I was 23 years old because I was heading down a path of absolute destruction, self-destruction. And I think only until I was probably t- 3 years into that journey did I start to realize that I can, I can, I can help people with my story because I really did change my life. And then I really, and then I began to build a life that I never thought was possible from like 26 on. I got married at 20, got married when I was 27, asked my wife to marry me when I was 26. And, you know, I didn't even think that was a possibility, right? Like that, that was like a big moment in my life. I think for anyone, you know, when you make that call, it's a big moment, but coming from where I came from, I really didn't believe that, that that was in the cards for me to find someone that, that would want to spend their life with me long-term. So I, you know, I really, I, I I think in my mid to late twenties is when I started to really put the pieces together and say, Hey, I beat myself up pretty bad over the years. Even when I came out the other side, I I had a lot of, lot of shit to work out. But then I, then I really began to think that this was, this was a special, this was like a special component of my life. And I can build community around this idea that anyone can change. That is, I think the, the, the foundational baseline of my story. Anyone can change. It doesn't matter how old you are, how far gone you think you are. You can change. And my mission in life today is to really speak as loudly as I can in alignment with that mission and create business and community around helping people see the forest through the trees. Yeah, I want to I want to dive into that concept of change because it's often met with resistance and a lot of people seek comfort and there's 
even when comfort is toxic or destructive, it's predictable and it's known and it's familiar. So sometimes we pull ourselves back into that place. Um, talk about your story of where you came from, uh, your your upbringing. You, you mentioned not even thinking that somebody would would be in that position or mindset to to want to spend their life with you. Uh, what led to to those self limiting beliefs and and kind of the adversity that you've overcome over the years? I I want to do that. I I just want to put, you know, you said something that I think is really important to articulate. For a lot of people, change is hard, almost unfathomable to change. But the really interesting piece that I think is important to point out is that going from, quote unquote, bad behavior or bad habits to good behavior and good habits are executed the exact same way. Consistency in bad habits can be channeled to consistency in good habits. There's a pain threshold that everybody has to break through when making the transition, but they are the brain functions the exact same way for both. And I think it's important to point that out, right? Like if you are someone who sleeps late and always hits snooze, that has become a habit. That has become a consistent part of your life. You are wired to do it now. You've trained yourself to do it. But on the flip side, if you were to just wake up in the morning and get out of bed, over a short period of time, it would feel like a chore, not fun. And then that chore would evolve into a habit, way more palatable. And then that habit would ultimately evolve into who you are and your lifestyle. And then you'll struggle with doing the opposite of getting out of bed in the morning. So you'll struggle and be and 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 feel the same way you felt having to go from sleeping in to waking up early and getting out of bed you will feel the same way for sleeping in when you are now living the life of someone who wakes up early it's really really interesting like when i when i made the big change in my life to go from an absolute degenerate to someone who was responsible and and, and was able to put some numbers up on the board Fitness was the 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 real sort of big change that I made in my life. I, I I literally bad habits with eating healthy and training hard, and now, I mean, I've been at it for a very long time at this point. But if I don't make it to the gym, I feel as bad, if not worse, than I did way back when trying to get to the gym. You know, yeah. so my story. I just think that's important to point out because it it really is just a change in behavior. It's a change in behavior. We all know that behavioral changes are the hardest things to accomplish, right? It's just like going from cash to credit cards in like the 80s. You know, people were like, no way. There's no way I'm not walking around without cash. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, and I was a I was a kid then, but I, you know, I just I I think my father, you know, never converted to the credit card. You know, um, you know, he died about 20 years ago, but he always had cash in his pocket. 
So I grew up in New York City. I grew up in Manhattan. My parents were, my father was a very difficult guy. He was a old school electrician, lighting guy. He worked on lights and, and electricity, you know, pretty much, I would say, blue collar. And then he got, he was very sick. He was a juvenile diabetic. There was nothing really, uh, not, not nearly the amount of research and uh, treatments available for diabetes then than they have now. So it affected his whole body. I mean, he had heart, he had heart disease. He was just a sick dude. And, and, and I think that that beat him up mentally. He was not meant to be a father. He didn't know he, he wanted to love, but he didn't know how to. And so his relationship with me was, was absolutely terrible. We, we never saw eye to eye and we never got along. And it was not only verbally abusive, but it was certainly physically abusive once I hit a certain age. And so that really uh, made my upbringing pretty difficult. My mother was a secretary and she was the breadwinner in the family because my father stopped working uh, in 1990. He was on permanent disability. So my mom was working this job for years and she, you know, she didn't make a lot of money, but she made enough money to support the family. And so it was tough. It was tough. And I was, I looked for solace any way I could from a very early age. I was like an escape artist. I wanted out. I didn't want to sleep in my house. I was scared of my house. It wasn't a safe place for me. So I was on the street a lot as a kid all the time. I was sleeping at friends' houses. I was hanging out late, you know. And then once I, once I was 12 years old, I was off to the races. There was no stopping me. I got a job in a restaurant. You know, I was, I was out all hours of the night. My, I, I was probably, I wouldn't wish me on any set of parents. I was definitely a tough kid to, to manage um, because I was unmanageable. <laughs> However, I wouldn't change a single thing. I wouldn't change a single thing because I believe that I had to go through what I went through to get to where I'm at. And my father and I, it was probably healthier. You know, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 15 because it just got too ugly. Child services weren't involved. I mean, it was an ugly situation. And it was it was probably a good thing that I did because it was an unsafe situation for everyone. It was a physical situation, you know. I work with a coach now. I, 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 and I have one other thing that I'll say that I think is really important is something that I've always kept foundationally for understanding my ability is I've, I've, I'm, I'm always teachable. I am very happy in the student seat. I want to learn all the time. And so for me, whether it's a life coach, fitness coach, business coach, I always have at least one coach in my corner at all times. And I believe in that. doesn't matter how successful you are. If you can walk into the world every day, curious to want to learn, and not feel like you're you've you know you're too big or too small for any any given opportunity that has been such a great tool for me to invest in myself with coaching so i have a coach right now who's having me work on a bunch of stuff 
but but one of the one of the things that she's asked me to do is to peel back all the layers and to really look at every situation and find the silver lining like all of them right and there's a lot of dysfunction in my upbringing but as i peel it back i could say well if that didn't happen then i wouldn't have done that that was really scary and bad but that led to my sobriety and my sobriety has given me everything you know so i i think it's really interesting that that uh there is a silver lining in most things that happen traumatically or not in our lives if we actually put some attention towards it and think about it anyway i moved out of my parents house when i was 15 and uh i was i was i was running the streets in new york city i got into a lot of bad news hung out with a lot of you know some great people but a lot of bad people but the one thing i did do the whole entire time was keep a keep a legitimate job in either a restaurant or a nightclub so i fell in love with the world of restaurants i fell in love with the human connectivity i really find solace and and freedom in connecting with human beings i think that's probably my superpower if i had to say i have a superpower right we all have something and for me it's really connecting with humans at scale that's like what i love to do so that was a perfect opportunity for me to do that and i fell in love with the 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 hospitality component of the restaurant business and then ultimately the food and the beverage component and then when i made the decision to change my life you know i um i went to culinary school i got a degree in culinary arts and restaurant management and i did that when i was 26 graduated when i was 28 wrote a business plan and then opened up my first business when I was 29 called the meatball shop in the Lower East Side of New York City. It was a massive hit. And uh, and that was the start of my business career, really. The whole time I was doing that, though, fitness and nutrition were like, you know, the cornerstone of my happiness. Personally, I, I did not sacrifice it. I made it a priority. And sometimes I would get into fights with my business partner about it because I was like, I'm sorry, man, like I got to go for a run. I know it sucks. I know that you're going to be here 18 hours. I'm going to be here 17 because an hour of that I'm going to go be running. I would do push-ups in the bathroom at the meatball shop for two years. That was like how I was getting my workouts in. I would, I would run to and from work or sometimes, you know, in the lulls at like three o'clock, I'd go for a run on the Williamsburg bridge and I would do like a thousand push-ups in the bathroom. <laughs> but uh, I believe that if you can be consistent with your exercise and nutrition, consistent, you can do anything, anything. As you've gone through this process and, and have started to peel back the layers as, as your coach is telling you to do, uh, do you believe that things happen for a reason or do you believe that things happen and then we assign them a reason? I've been, I've been sort of in limbo on that for a long time. I'm, I'm a spiritual dude. I have a, I have a, a morning practice. I pray, I meditate, I do breath work. I believe in energy. I believe that I have a relationship with a power greater than myself. 
I'm not really a religious guy. I don't go to church or temple or any of that thing, any of that stuff, though. I have nothing against it. But I do have a very, very strong spiritual connection. And sometimes I'll be put in a situation with people that I've never met before that seem like it's too coincidence doesn't really make sense. You know, like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Something very recently. (laughs) I, with Creatures of Habit, which is my wellness brand, we sponsor a few athletes. One of those athletes is a CrossFit professional, pro CrossFitter. His name is Christian Harris. He's like my brother from another mother. He's like an amazing dude. He and I are just connected. And I I rented a house with him in Miami for Wadapalooza this weekend. He brought his agent there with him, who I connected deeply with as well. Her name is Deb Graff. She's amazing. And we were talking randomly one of the nights that we were there. And she said, oh, you know, my my son, Chase. And I was like, oh, you have a son named Chase? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my cousin's name. My cousin's son's name is Chase. My nephew is named Chase. And then a few minutes later, she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, my, my daughter, Charlie. And I was like, whoa, whoa, your daughter's name is Charlie? And she was like, yeah, my daughter's name is Charlie. I was like, my niece's name is Charlie. <laughs> and I was like, she's like, no. And I was, you know, they're the, they're the exact same age. Charlie and Chase and her husband's Instagram handle is Chase and Charlie's dad. My cousin's Instagram handle is Charlie and Chase's mom. So when that happened, I said, okay, that could be coincidence, of course. But the feeling, the connection that I had with the people that were there was a strong one. I felt like we were there for a reason to meet, to be together. I really did. I felt like it was just a little bit, it was, that was like that, that gave me a sign that it was like, okay, I'm right where I'm exactly where I need to be. This is, this is, this is a plan that, um, the plan is, 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 is happening and I'm, 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 I'm on it. So little things like that, you know, have happened to me a lot. I had an experience that I'll also share. When I first got sober, I began I fell in love with Muay Thai kickboxing. It became an obsession. I I trained very hard for 12 years in Muay Thai. And about two years into my Muay Thai uh, journey, I went to Thailand to go train with the Thais because I really wanted to learn from them. And so I spent four weeks in Bangkok training with like the the, the best fight camp in Bangkok. And then I said, I'm going to take two weeks and go train out on the islands in a more laid back environment, but still training hard. Anyway, I get out to the island, this little island called Kopanyang. I'm by myself, of course. I'm in this little hut in the middle of like a jungle on the beach. And I'm reading Anthony Kiedis's autobiography. And in his autobiography, he goes into a relapse that he had. And he so eloquently describes like the feeling this, the, the, the craving that he had, the obsession, and then ultimately using the, using the drug. And it sent me for a, a complete world spin. Like I just became obsessed with like, oh my God, like I, I'm alone. I, I, I need to figure out, I want to, I want to escape. I wanted to run. I was uncomfortable. I was like, I wanted to, I wanted to run. I didn't feel good. And I wanted to get high, honestly. 
So I ran down to the beach and I said, maybe, you know, there was all these like Thai women, these like big, strong Thai women that would line up on the beach in the evening and give massages. Time massage is like a huge thing down there, especially in like the wellness areas. And there weren't a lot of Americans there at all. Like there was like, you know, I barely, barely anybody spoke English. But I went down to the beach. I was like, all right, I'm going to go get a massage. Let me take my mind off of this. Went down to the beach, got a massage, really didn't help. And it was now like nine o'clock at night. I was heading back to my little hut. And uh, I heard this really annoying laugh. Like it was like a loud, like a, like, you know, gregarious, boisterous, obnoxious laugh, like someone really drunk, you know? And, it, you know, as I got closer to my hut, it's like, it started getting closer and closer. So I was like, all right, let me go see what this is. And I see this guy standing by a fire pit and he's just like telling these stories. He's very loud. And I get closer and closer to him and I'm like, holy shit. I know that guy. And I walk up to him and I had met that guy in my first month of sobriety on First Street and First Avenue in New York City. He and I went out for lunch. We had about a two hour long conversation. He was just in New York to visit and he left and his name is Sid. And I walked up to him and I was like, Sid? And he was like, holy shit. And he saved me. He was, I told him what was going on. You know, he was like, we sat down, we hung out for a while and I was, all obsession was gone. That's not the end of that story. About two years, about a year later, I was getting married. We were getting married in Denmark and I'm walking two days before my wedding. I'm stressed out. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm young. I'm like, I'm getting married. This is like a big moment. And I'm walking through Copenhagen with my wife. (laughs) And sure enough, Sid shows up, pulls up right in front of me on a bicycle. And he's like, Mike. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, my guy, come on. This is just too much. And so do I think that's a coincidence? I don't know. That was a very long way of answering your question, but I, I, I think it's 50, 50. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've kind of done that same back and forth. Uh, you know, sometimes there's things where as you try to find the silver lining, it's more of, you know, I look at it as assigning meaning or assigning a reason. Other times it is very apparent what the reason was and you can, you can extract that without much effort or, or thought. It's just like, okay, yeah, this, I went through this hardship. It led me to be more resilient. And then this situation happened. I was better prepared. And it's pretty obvious other times. It's like, I don't know why, but I'm going to assign this a meaning and and not let it define me or not let it hold me back. Um, you, you, you talked about the outlet of fitness uh kind of saving you through that period of time where you're dealing going trying to you know get sober and um you know better your life and and then you know the the muay thai obsession um do you find that with with addiction uh in your experience that it's more so uh replacing one for another finding something that's a little bit more productive um or do you feel like there's a different process where uh you know because you also alluded to the fact that when, when we build these patterns in the brain, it's it's the same thing, whether it's a habit that you you want to break or it's a habit you want to create. There's these patterns that exist in the brain and it's kind of the same process. Um, I'm curious your take on how that relates to addiction. Is it finding something that is more of a positive outlet that kind of becomes the new addiction or obsession 
Um, or is it a different process that, that you feel like has, has able, um, has enabled you to, uh, you know, better yourself in your situation? You know, I think addicts in general, people that have addictive personalities are definitely distinguished from people that don't. My wife doesn't have an addictive personality at all. You know, she can have a, a, a glass of wine, a, a bite of a, a, a bite of a, a piece of cake and just be like, I'm done with that. And I'm very different. I, I go all in and on in anything I do, anything, business, family, fitness, nutrition, I go all in. So knowing that about myself, I feel like I have a little bit of a leverage because I don't have a, and I'm not alone. There's many other people in the recovery community that I, that I am very friendly with that are sober, you know, for years that have built these like insane lives, you know, the insane lives. And you're just like, wow, like, and, and I think for people that have this sort of, I don't, you know, they, in the, in the recovery community, it, it's a, it, it's called, a, you know, we're, we're told we have a mental illness. We have a, we have a, we have a disease, uh, alcoholism or addiction. I do believe that there is a mental component to it. An obsessive component. I think it's really, it has to do with some sort of, I think that there, you know, this guy Gabor Mate, I, I, I don't know if you've seen him at all, but, but he really, is is in in the in the thick of trying to understand it way better you know um regardless of the science behind it if you are living a life in active addiction or alcoholism i kind of see them as the same you can replace those obsessive habits that you have with really good ones and you know when you're active, you'll do anything. Doesn't matter. You'll run, you will figure out a way to run through a brick wall to get what you need. And when you can just channel that in a positive way, the sky's the limit on what you're capable of. You know, like I I say often, I believe that I can do anything I wanna do. If I wanted to be a surgeon today, I'm 42, it would take me 15 years by the time I'm, you know, 57. If I really put my, my, if I focused on it and went back to school and then did med school and then did, you know, residency and all that shit, I could do it. I don't know if I could be in the NBA. Probably not. Actually, no way. Um, Major League Baseball? No, I'm too old. I'm too old for any professional, real professional sport. But like competing at the CrossFit Games as a master, I can, I, th I think I can do it because I know I have the ability to go hard. And so anybody listening to this that may be struggling, just know that, you know, you can replace the bad habits with the good ones. I'm a living, breathing, walking example of someone who's done that consistently and, and super stoked, like pumped on life. Uh, and, and I haven't had a, um, a substance uh, in over 18 years, you know, do you think that's something that was inherent or something that was learned? Because you also mentioned in the beginning about anyone can change, which which I full uh, fully agree with. 
Do you feel like that's something that you were, that the confidence in your ability to do anything that you put your mind to, the belief that anybody under any circumstance can change their life, can make a change? Uh, was that something that you feel like was inherent in you, or is that something that you've developed over time? <laughs> well, you know, I used to have a podcast called Born or Made. And that podcast that I did for about a year and a half was all about that question. Do you think you were born with an inherent ability to crush or do you think you were made over time? I actually think I was born with this gene of getting after it, whether good or bad. I do believe that. But I also think that there's a high level of self-awareness that has gotten me to where I am, you know, and because this is not this, this is not the story for every single addict that comes out of, you know, activity. So I, I think that I, I think that I was born with some, and really what it boils down to for me is like, I have a ferocious hunger for discovery. I'm like an incredibly curious dude. I wake up every single day and I want to like find something out. I want to lift up rocks. I want to see what's under there. I mean, one of the one of the most fun activities I do with my kids in, in the spring, summer, and fall is we walk through the woods and we lift up logs and rocks. I mean, <laughs> we capture what's ever under there. It could be a, a milk snake, it could be a spotted salamander, it could be a red eft, it could be a frog, a turtle whatever, we're all fired up to see what's under all the rocks and the logs. And I think that's a metaphor for my life. I walk into the forest and I'm looking for shit. <laughs> I'm looking for things uh, to uncover. And in, in the beginning of my life, I found it in the wrong places. And, uh, you know, after the first quarter of my life, I started looking in the right places. Let's take a brief pause in this conversation with Michael to talk about the importance of how you start your day. And this is really everything to me. And I'm not talking about some elaborate morning routine. I am not the type of person. I don't get up at 4 a.m. I don't do all of this like cold exposure, sauna, uh, whatever else. I don't do like meditation in the morning. I don't have this crazy journal routine. If you do all of those things, amazing. I'm proud of you. But to me, I like to keep things simple and actionable. And the best way to start my day that really kickstarts the momentum of feeling like I'm doing something positive for myself, for my health, for my well-being, it's to start the day with Organifi green juice. It is the easiest thing to do because you kind of kill two birds with one stone. R really, you kill three birds with one stone. I'm, I'm, I'm making that my own catchphrase, three birds with one stone, because here's the thing, you get some water, you just mix it directly into water, the green juice, and it blends perfectly. And the crisp apple flavor is absolutely my favorite. So you blend it with water. So you're getting some hydration first thing in the morning, you are getting a ton of vitamins and minerals and micronutrients, plus your insurance policy for getting in veggies. That's number two. And number three is you are starting the day with a positive habit that will carry you forward through the rest of the day. If you start your day, if you set the tone for the day by starting with a quality habit, you are more likely to follow through on all the other things 
that are in your best interest, more likely to get out for a walk, more likely to get to the gym, more likely to prioritize your wind down routine. Oh, and then when you start your wind down routine, I highly recommend using Organifi Gold Juice. That is the best way to just wrap a bow, uh, put a bow around the day and have a quality, again, micronutrient rich drink to calm your brain down, to get you primed for a quality night's sleep. You can get Organifi Green Juice or Gold Juice or any of their products for 20% off by going to Organifi.com slash popfam and use code popfam at checkout. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M. Use code popfam at checkout. You get 20% off all of their products and rest assured, they are high quality ingredients, nothing fake, nothing artificial. Green juice, the crisp apple flavor is my favorite. Gold juice, the chocolate flavor is my favorite for the wind down routine. So bookend your day with something for yourself, for your health, for your well-being, and your body will thank you. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Michael Chernow. When you have when you're dealing with somebody who either does not have that inherent belief or has not built that inherent belief in themselves and and or somebody who talks about what they want and they have the vision they have the dream they have the desire but there is the action their their espoused values what they speak what they say they want is not matching their in real life values or what they're what they're doing and there's this gap that exists between what they say they want and what they are actually doing about it so in those scenarios where somebody just you know, yeah, that's great that you can do that, but that's that's not me. I don't have that belief in myself, uh, whether it's subconscious or they're aware of it or somebody who says, you know, I really want this thing, but their actions tell a different story. How do you approach that topic and help them to bridge that gap? Or, um, you know, because I was listening to uh, Tony Robbins kind of the other day, and I don't listen to much of his stuff. And it was, it was funny because people assume that I'm a huge fan um, just randomly stumbled upon a video that he was doing and it kind of talked about how um, he doesn't, he used to walk around basically like I have all these tools that I can change people and he would try and impose them and there'd be a lot of resistance. And now he kind of says, I'm more of a filter for people who are ready for change. So do you not, are you more of a, when they're ready, they're ready? Or do you have a process for helping somebody create more self-awareness and belief in themselves to kind of close that gap? It's a good, it's a great question. I believe that everyone has the ability to change, but not everybody wants to. And I know for sure that no human being can make another human being change. Impossible. Impossible. You can, you can chain somebody to a radiator and tell them they have to change. And if that person does not want to, they very well could die on that radiator, you know, if they're not ready. So the way I like to do it, if there's somebody that's showing interest, you know, I've, I've coached a number of people over the years and mentored more, more people than I've coached. If somebody says to me, I want to get in shape, I say, okay. Let's start with waking up an hour earlier. And they say, how is that going to help me lose weight? And I'm like, well, 
asking you to go to the gym and track your macros and cut out, you know, 50% of the food that you're currently eating and stop eating late at night, stop eating sugar, walk 10,000 steps a day and drink a gallon of water. If that's what you want me to tell you, it'd be a mistake. <laughs> I, and, and honestly, in almost any area of life, I believe the first step is how you walk into your day. How you start your day is how you live your life. And so I always start with waking up an hour earlier. And if for you, that's 10, that's, if you wake up at 10 a.m. now and that's 9 a.m., great. Let's do that for 30 days. Let's get you to, let's get you to wake up an hour earlier for 30 days. And once you get into that habit, you may on your own accord want to wake up earlier because you see the value that you've just given the, the, the longevity of your happiness in life. But that's always my first sort of advice. I don't tell people really, unless they're like ready to take action. I like to, I like to figure out ways to get people time, you know, like time is like the most valuable thing in our lives. So if you can earn time, what you fill that time with typically is going to be winning, right? Cause you, cause you, you know, you give them a win that's attainable. It's an attainable win every single day. All right, you're going to set your alarm and you're just going to get out of bed. And what you do with that time is up to you. But giving yourself an extra hour every day is 365 extra hours every year that you just earned. Imagine that. And if you and if and if those and if those if that one hour turns into two and three hours, you know, like me, I wake up at four forty-five in the morning. I'm not trying to wake up any earlier than that. That's that's the that's when I get up somewhere between 4.45 and 5. But it wasn't always that way. And I was waking up at 6 in the morning for a long time. And when I gave myself that extra hour, I just figured out that I just, like, earned the most valuable asset known to man. I just gave myself an extra hour every single day that I fill with me time. I meditate, I read, I write, I pray, I stretch, I do red light therapy, I do push, I do, uh, 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 I, you know, there's just like a long list of things that I do in my morning routine in the first hour and a half of my day that is self-indulgent, it is self-love, it is self-care, and then everything else comes easy. Everything else comes easy because I believe that if you can invest in yourself, and that doesn't mean sacrificing time with loved ones and business. That means like sacrificing sleeping in a little bit. So, so I guess again, like I'm going off here, but, but that is always, you know, a first step for me. And if you cannot do that, the chances of me helping you in the gym or nutritionally are kind of slim to none, you know? Would you say it's a similar concept when you're looking at business success as well? Is that kind of the starting point? Because it seems like there's the, you know, like, let, let's start with this habit to earn some some quick wins that are attainable and, and prove it to yourself and show up for yourself. And then, uh, you know, you kind of build that momentum from there. 
uh, would you say it's pretty similar or regardless of what area, if you're trying to improve um, you know, personal development, relationships, business, fitness, is that kind of your starting point or does it depend on the vertical? I think in any initiative or venture, one chooses to take, it's, it's, it's made far easier and attainable when you take care of yourself first, you know, for business, right? Like I, when I, when I started business, I poured everything into it, every ounce of my life into it. I, 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 I didn't, and, 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 and it was probably necessary at the time. I, I, I didn't have a platform. I, you know, I was a freaking restaurant dude in New York city, but I worked 18 hours, 19 hours a day for the first two years that we opened up the meatball shop. I did not take a day off. I was running on fumes. I almost lost my marriage. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand that there is a better way. But I had to go through that. And by the way, I also think that it was probably like I don't subscribe to hustle culture, but I do think that when you're getting started, you got to put in the time. You got to put in the time. If you want to win, you got to put in the time. It's like, you know, if you listen to any of the, the you know, the books that uh, Tim Grover wrote, you know, if you've read or listened to that book, Relentless, that's an extreme example. But to be the Kobe Bryant or the Michael Jordan or the Dwayne Wade of anything, it's going to take an enormous amount of time and energy. It just is. And sacrifice. However, I've learned over the years that that time, energy, and sacrifice can be made far more efficient in terms of hours if I'm walking into it happy, stoked, optimistic, positive, and wanting to love people around me. <laughs> and the only way I can get there is if I walk in knowing that I've taken care of myself first. And so any investment that we make in ourselves in a positive way consistently creates this momentum of winning on a regular basis. When I wake up at 4.45 in the morning, I've won. When I smile first thing and make a mental gratitude list for 15 seconds, I've won. When I wash my face and put, you know, moisturizer on and eye cream and, you know, like take this time to care about myself, I've won. When I, you know, drink my 22 ounces of water in the morning with water and with salt and lemon and meditate and do all the things that I do in the sauna and the cold plunge, like those are all wins. It's just wins that I have, I have control over complete control. And by, by six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, I've won like 17 times every single day. And so I am now, I have forced myself into a winning mindset and business is just easier because I'm, I'm walking in winning. I'm, I've already won, you know, now it's about like, how can I be of service? How can I, you know, whereas if you, if you, if you just like wake up and you're like fly out of bed and you're just disheveled and like, you're all, you're, it's, 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 it's you're thinking about yourself all day. I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm tired. I'm this, I'm that, I'm about, how are you able to function with other people? You know? And, uh, and so I've just kind of, learned that over the years. And so now I work 
I, I, I do all that morning shit. I hang out with my kids from 6.30 to 7.30. I take them to school or my wife will take them to school. I tend to open up the computer from 8 to 9.30. I go to the gym from 10 to 11.30. And then I, I dive into work from 12 to 6. I work seven hours a day. And, and I used to think that was like a little bit. And now I'm like, this is fucking perfect. Like, this is exactly what, this is the life I want to live. I want to work seven hours a day. I don't want to work 14 hours a day. I used to think, I used to work 14 hours a day because I thought I had to. Now I just know that that should, it's just, it's, it doesn't make sense. If I can get it done, surround myself with awesome people because they want to be around me because I love myself <laughs> and it shows because I love, because I love myself. I love them. You know, it, it's like, it's a cyclical, awesome flywheel of, 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 but, but I think really it, it, it all starts with consistently loving yourself. And that's the, that's the root, right? If you do that, the flowers that grow are like, you know, can you talk about what that, what that looks like in particular, how that manifests in what you've built with creatures of habit and the success there? Um, curious of like what you attribute that success to. Obviously, there's the, uh, you know, you've you started a business, you kind of went the hustle route, which a lot of us when we first get started, we we kind of learn that process and we go through that process, and then like you said, you know, um, you figure out there's a better way, and I don't have to spend 18 hours a day uh, working my ass off. And so then you kind of make this pivot where it's like, I'm, I'm starting with me. I'm pouring this time into myself. I'm investing in myself first. Uh, what, what is like, what are the flowers that have bloomed in your business now uh, that are a direct result of taking that approach? Creatures of Habit tells that story. My mission with Creatures of Habit is to help people make better decisions. It's not an oatmeal business. Although we sell super functional high protein oatmeal and soon to be some more some more products the idea of creatures of habit is i believe in my core that the beginning of the day is the most important part of the day because how you live in the first few hours of your day tends to paint a really clear picture of what the rest of the day is going to look like and you only get a day you cannot live yesterday is like gone it's over there's no, nothing you can do to change it. And tomorrow isn't guaranteed and doesn't exist. And so you get one day to live your life. And if you could start that day with foundational positive habits that give you a better shot at making better decisions throughout the rest of your day, well, then you've won at the game of life, <laughs> or at least you're giving yourself the best chance. You know, and so interestingly, like when I when I made the big shift in my life to get sober, I got very lucky and I met two guys that took me under their wing and they were Muay Thai kickboxers. And and I, you know, I didn't know what to expect from getting into the recovery community. I had no idea. I thought it was going to be a bunch of squares, you know, uh, like reading books and, you know. I don't know. I didn't, I just didn't have a, I didn't, I didn't have a good picture of what it was going to be. However, I was very wrong. Uh, it was a bunch of cool people that were just like me 
you know, a year ago, six months ago, five years ago, whatever. And they've changed their lives. And so these two guys took me under their wing and they dragged me into a Muay Thai kickboxing gym. And they said, we're going to kick your fucking ass. And we're going to teach you how to be a man. And we're going to talk to you. We're going to teach you about fitness and discipline and nutrition. And I was, I'm telling you, I was so lucky that I, that I got connected with these guys, but they wrote a meal plan for me. And they said, this is going to be your schedule every single day. You're going to wake up. And the first thing you do is you're going to pray and you're going to ask for help. Who cares who you're praying to? You just need to start asking for help, kid, because you need a lot of it. And so, you know, I started praying in the morning and then they said, right after you pray, you're going to go for a run. And so that run started out a block and then it became two blocks and three blocks and a mile and three miles and five miles. And then they said, after you're done with your run, you're going to have a huge bowl of oatmeal every day. You're just going to you're going to have a huge bowl of oatmeal. You can make it the night before you can put, you know, milk in it and put it in the fridge and 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 eat it cold in the morning. Or you can cook it and add stuff to it, whatever you want to do. But we want you to have a big bowl of oatmeal. Then you're going to go to an AA meeting at 10 a.m. And then as soon as you get out of the AA meeting, you're going to come down to the gym and we're going to teach you how to fight in a in a in a controlled environment. You're going to get aggression out. You're going to get a lot. A lot of things are going to come up and we're going to teach you about getting back up and uh and and how to not quit and then you're going to take a nap and you're going to eat chicken and broccoli and then you're going to go to work and you're going to eat chicken and broccoli and you're going to go to bed as early as you can and you're going to do it all over again and so that was really these two guys were like angels for me you know i've got i've got like tattoos that resemble these two guys that came down and saved me or helped save me gave me like i was ready they took my hand and they walked me to the water and i was gulping it you know and uh and so Oatmeal played a big part in my transition. <laughs> it was the first positive thing I ingested in my turning of the chapters. And so when I knew that I was going to pivot from restaurants to wellness CPG, obviously the pandemic hit and I had to make a decision. I had sold a bunch of equity at Seymour's in 2019 and I was going to open up a wellness restaurant in 2020. And we all know what happened. The pandemic hit and everything changed. And so I said, I've got to pivot. And I decided that I was going to go into direct-to-consumer CPG. And I was on a run in upstate New York. And it just all came to me on a run. I said, holy shit. Like, I've been eating this oatmeal concoction every single day to this very day, to this morning, from then to now. And for over the years, I had added stuff to it. And, you know, I'd, I'd always added protein to it and chia seeds and flax seeds and pink salt and Himalayan, uh, Himalayan pink salt and, and pumpkin seeds. And then on the side of that bowl of oatmeal every morning, I had my essential supplements that I would take vitamin D3, omega-3 fatty acids. I always take a probiotic and I always take digestive enzymes. So those are the four things that I take every single morning. I kept it simple and I was on the run and I said, shit, man, like this, the, 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 the ingredient list that I have for my oats every day is somewhat extensive, although it's the it's my favorite meal of the day and it it always makes me feel good and I'm in the best shape of my life. If I can figure out a way to package all this stuff and not only sell it, of course, because it's delicious and incredibly healthy and a perfect way to start your day macro wise, I could tell my story through this brand. I could tell the story that I'm telling you right now. It's working out. The plan is working, man. You know what I mean? Like I set out to do this. I said, I want to tell my story. I want to touch as many people as I possibly can. You know, we're in an, a global epidemic of, of addiction. You know, people are dying more now than ever before. And if I can, if I could 
change one person's life by telling the story through this business that I've created, the business is great. But me being able to, to sit on a platform to be able to say, hey, you could fucking change. It's not too late. I promise. I watch this shit happen all the time. So that was the the the, the sort of impetus for Creatures of Habit. And just so anybody knows, we haven't even said what Creatures of Habit is. It is a lifestyle and wellness CPG company. I make a product called Meal One. It is a blend of gluten-free, glyphosate-free oats, 30 grams of plant-based protein, omega-3 fatty acids, a probiotic, digestive enzymes, um, vitamin D3. It's got chia seeds, flax seeds, and pumpkin seeds with a little pink Himalayan salt in it. It's amazing. There's zero added sugar. It's sweetened only with monk fruit, all, all real ingredients, no BS, no fillers, extenders, none of that shit. And it's made best overnight. And people have made a part of their life. They start their day every single day with it because it's easy, it's convenient, it's delicious, and it's incredibly healthy. And it's a habit that people have now introduced into their lives that has ultimately been a essentially a, a floodgate for making better decisions. If you had to, if you had to, I guess, hypothesize about not just your, your own brand, like the, the story is powerful. It's very relatable, uh, you know, especially for people who are trying to better themselves and understanding the value of, you know, I talk about it all the time, you know, starting your days with wins and the first thing that you put in your mouth sets the tone for the day and all that stuff in it. And, and then your own personal story just adds that element of, relatability and, and, you know, I feel connected to this person who's doing, who's on this mission and I want to be a part of it. Uh, but if you had to take a step back and take like a 30,000 foot view of brands in general, what, what really gives the, when, when there's a competitive space, let's say there's, there's other coaches out there and there's a million coaches now online. And, um, you know, there's all these different products out there that are all trying to sell the same thing. And, uh, what do you think gives, one brand or one coach or one, you know, company that, that edge over the other, what community, community, that's it. That's it. Community. It's everything. Where's that? Let, let's talk about building that culture internal. What does that look like? It starts with the internal culture of a business. And if I do my job right as a CEO, that culture is awesome. And then that culture ultimately vibrates, vibrates so much so that it'll, it'll start to make waves internally. And then eventually those waves start to break through the walls and people want to surf around us, you know, and if we continue to make the waves, people continue to want to surf. And that has been the DNA of every business I've ever launched has been, I don't think about the customer first. I put my team before everything in, in the company. And not that I don't care about the customer because ultimately I really care about the customer, but I know that the way to get the best possible experience for a customer is to start with a team of people who are really fired up to be doing what they're doing. Because I've seen it the other way. And typically, when a founder or, or a CEO or whatever puts all the emphasis on the customer, the team doesn't feel supported. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel 
stoked about their job. They're not like not, they're actually not interested in like, there's, there's like salesmen and then there are fucking hungry, fired up tribe. You know what I'm saying? Like there's people that come to work to sell a fucking car. And then there are people that believe with every cell in their body that what they're doing is real, you know? And I'm that guy. I'm the guy that believes every, I believe with every cell in my body that what I'm doing is real. I don't give a shit about the money. The money is not what's motivating me here. It never has probably a, to a fault. You know, I just know that if I put my passion for what I'm doing front and center and make sure that the people that I surround myself with are feel like feeling heard, stoked, appreciated, supported. I got, I got, I got nothing to worry about. Not saying that everything is going to be super successful, but like, if you're going to do it, doing it with checking those boxes are going to make it the most fun. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs throw in the towel before the business tanks. And when you hear a lot of founder stories, 99% of them are like, and we were a day away from having to shut it down. And then boom, all of a sudden, it this happened. Most founders and entrepreneurs are, you know, I, I had Will Ahmed, uh, who's the founder of Whoop on my podcast about a year ago. And I asked him, I said, what do you think is the distinguishing element between successful entrepreneurs and failed entrepreneurs? And he said, there's only successful entrepreneurs and everyone else. Successful entrepreneurs have an overwhelmingly high level and ability to withstand stress. They do not give up. They refuse. They are the ones that need to get thrown out of the ring like bloody and beaten before they, they throw in the towel. They don't throw in the towel. They have, a, they have a, a very, very high threshold for pain. And so I, you know, I really do believe that it, that is what it takes in the hyper competitive arena that we call business <laughs> today. It takes that, that really intense, very, but, but you can do it with a smile on your face and know when to cut, close the computer. You know, I think that's a big one too. Like know when to say, okay, today's done. All the stuff that I still have to do, all of it, the piles and piles of stuff, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to start chipping away again tomorrow, but I'm done for the day. Boundaries important, you know? Yeah. Super insightful. Um, I think that the, the community, the culture, um, you know, it's, it's the, obviously the uh, ability to withstand pain, the to withstand stress, to keep showing up when, you know, the odds are stacked. The hardest part of my job. 
It's the hardest part of my job. I'm raising money for creatures of habit right now. It's the worst time in human history to raise money. I've been told no. I can't even tell you how many times over the last six months. An unbelievable amount of times. And every time I'm told no, right after that call, I say to myself, so happy for that no. That no is going to get me closer to the yes. Because if I say, fuck, man, another one. Jesus, what am I going to do? This is it. This is going to end. This is this is going to this is like I'm never going to be able to pull this off. It's it's like you got two way you got two directions to go. Be that person and live in fear, or you can be the person that like man that fucking no is awesome. It is definitely getting me closer to a yes. You can be that person who knows fear is right here, right next to you. Always ready, willing, and able to fucking destroy you if you let it. Or you could be like, boom, fear. I see you. I know you're here. You're not going to stop me. I am going to walk with you. You know? Like, I, I, I have those crazy, weird conversations with myself. Yeah. Yeah. That that mindset shift is is super powerful, and I, I think again, like going back to to how you started with, and anybody has that ability. It is just reframing, uh, you know, taking it back to somebody who wants to just be healthier. The craziest thing about what you're saying right now is everybody has to make decisions all day long. Yeah, and unless you're tied up with a gun to your head chances are you have the ability to choose which decision you make so when people ask me how do you you know what how do you tell people to like what like you know how do i get fit how do i get in the best shape how do i get a six-pack how do i build a business how do i and my answer is there's no pill you can take there's no person that is coming to the rescue There's no switch. You can flip and all of a sudden have what you want. Want is good, but want without do is bad. Want with do equals have. And that do part takes a long time. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, like one plus two equals have. It's been a mantra that I've said to myself constantly because I'm a wanting guy. I want a lot of shit. You know, I do. I want, I want to, I want to, I want to compete in the CrossFit games. I want to turn creatures of habit into a massive community, you know, of people that are just constantly looking to be better using our products, but, but really like a community of people that are fucking like stoked. You know, I I want my children to be super duper healthy and happy and and athletes. And, you know, I want a lot of things, but I know that like the doing of the 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 aftermath of the want is where the rubber meets the road. And everybody can do. Every everybody can do. There's not a single human being that cannot do at some level. It's your choice whether you want to do it. Nike said it best or not, you know, yep. and it's at my core belief. Yeah. And it, it, it comes with uh, when, when you when you really understand that it comes with ownership of, you know, I'm, I'm choosing 
one of two directions. There's, there's no, uh, you know, I always use the analogy of windows and mirrors because a lot of time people want to point out the window at all the things that are to blame. But in reality, the window is a mirror. It's mm-hmm. pointing right back at you. Uh, and that can be a scary thing to face that uh, this is actually all on me because I can make a different decision today. I can take action. I can choose a different path. And um, there's nobody else to point at. There's no, there's no victim. There's no uh, savior. It's just me making better decisions and making choices that align with ultimately what I want. Um, and they tend to start in the beginning of the day. Yeah. So it's not about making a life like for right now, getting going. It's not about changing your life. It's just making decision after decision in a better way. So for everyone listening who wants to start their day with, with a nice healthy bowl of oats with some protein and some probiotics and uh, everything else that you've got in there. Um, also selfishly for myself, cause I want to try it as well. Um, where can everybody get your products? Where can they stay connected with you and just, uh, you know, let everybody know uh, all the places they can find you. Sure. You uh, creatures of habit is spelled with a K. So it's creatures with a K. You can go to creatures of habit.com and that's where meal one lives. And we've got a few other things on there. Uh, really cool journal, some apparel. Um, and we're, we're, we'll, we will be launching a few more products over the next year, year or two. There, uh, I, I creatures of habit at creatures of habit, pretty much on all social platforms. I'm at Michael Chernow everywhere. The, the place where I spend most of my time in terms of just engaging with community is uh, on Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's where I, that's where you can find me. The, 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 the meal one product is really, it's, it made, it's made best overnight. So it's, it, you know, it's also super easy. You add like three quarters of a cup of almond milk to it in a jar, mix it, throw it in the fridge, pull it out in the morning and it's just ready to rock. You throw it in your bag. You can eat it right away. You can put whatever you want into it, but it's really good just as is. It's just a very, very easy, convenient, like game changing meal that you can draw a line to. It's a meal. You know, it's not a snack. It's, it's, it's a full, complete, you know, 30 grams of protein, 40 grams of carbohydrates, eight to 10 grams of fat, depending on the flavor, 350 calories. It's really satiating. <clears throat> it's awesome. Nice. So I will post all of that in the show notes. Uh, super curious to try it myself and then hear some feedback from all of you guys who give it a try. And uh, dude, I appreciate it. this was insightful for me. I know I took a lot away uh, from this conversation. I appreciate your time. And uh, we will chat soon. Thanks, brother.